Hello and welcome to another episode of For the Love of Sports. My name is Michael Raziel and today my conversation is with Casey Smith. She's the Director of Basketball Operations at Fairfield University, former professional basketball player over in Germany and a D1 student athlete. Casey was awesome. She did a great job at explaining exactly what Director of Basketball Operations does, how she got into the role, what she's doing, um, and also obviously we go over her playing career, what it was like playing overseas and obviously in the NC2A Division One. So she was a lot of fun, super Super, super grateful. Just such a great, great person. I'm very, very happy I got the opportunity. And I hope you guys enjoy this conversation with Casey Smith. already today i have casey smith director of basketball operations at fairfield university former professional basketball player over in germany and former d1 student athlete casey thanks for hanging out with me today i appreciate it hi thanks for um calling in and happy to talk to you today about my experience with basketball and what i'm doing now well, right now we're doing nothing because of this whole situation. But other than that, yes, of course. No, I kid. I apologize. We're having too much fun already. Um, but yeah, uh, the, the first question I always have for everybody on the For the Love of Sports podcast is, why do you love sports so much? I feel that's such a hard question because I don't know when it became tangible that I knew I loved it. But I think now as an adult, I realize that the game that I love so much, there's more to it. And I think all the different aspects of the game – just contribute to how much I love it. I don't know like when it was that I realized it. I think through playing was the first instance when I was like, oh, this is really fun. Like, I love this. This is great. But uh, I don't know if I can tangibly say like why I really love it. It's all like the squeaking of the floor when you're on the court, the balls bouncing, um, meeting new people, making new friends all across the world. Like, it's great just brings a lot of people together. I was just about to say, it's it's like the, the easiest way to bring people together, right? Like, I hate the Yankees, but I will sit down and talk with a Yankees fan all day about how much we both hate each other. Like, it's this weird kind of collection of people that, you know, there's the common denominator is the sport. And then, you know, from there we can go out. And, you know, next to religion and politics, it's, it's one of the most uh, fanatical and one of the most emotionally driven aspects of many people's lives. Um, and you know, it is, it is interesting how you you can create an entire community out of that. Right. And even now during this time we see, um, obviously this pandemic is more than just sport, but we see how much the game and, you know, sports in general bring to the world. So. Of course. And it's a, sports are always like that, like outlet, right? Like whenever anything bad's going on, we then go back to sport to kind of pretend like, you know, kind of take us out of that. And unfortunately right now we can't, and it's, it's kind of funny, uh, like watching people be like, wow, Australian rules football. We should stay up till three o'clock in the morning and watch this. Um, but, you know, it's also it's, it's interesting. And, yeah, it gives gives nice perspective as well. But that's that's enough Corona talk. Let's talk about you a little bit more. So you um, and as I said, you played professionally. You're a D1 student athlete. I mean, where when when was it? When did you start to fall in love with the game of basketball? Um, I started to get good in middle school and high school. I know when I started off, I was just a big, long, lanky girl um, trying to fit in and 
play a game because everybody told me I was tall, so I should play basketball. Um, so I started playing in second grade in a league um, started by my in the future to be high school um, coach. And she also started an AAU program. So once I got into the AAU circuit and I realized that there were scholarships and people actually go to college and do this while they study, um, I realized that, you know, I could be pretty good at this. I, I am. And uh, I can, I can uh, capitalize on it a little yeah. bit. Yeah. I love it. Hey, you're tall. You should play basketball. Okay. Sounds good. You know, seven-year-old Casey. Yeah, that's a good idea, guys. I like that. Sounds <laughs> it's how good. it started. It's how it started. It's sad. It's not like your story where, you know, girl picks up a ball. I was like, you're tall. Let's uh, sign you up for basketball. You know what? However it happens, it happened for the right reason. And, right. and, you know, now here on a Sunday afternoon, you get to talk to me about it. I mean, seriously, could your life get any better than it is right now? Right. No, not at no. all. Exactly. Um, but no, I just think, again, you know, you and I got to speak about this a little bit, uh, I think a week ago, whatever it was, the days don't mean anything. Time <laughs> is kind of a flat circle at this point. Um, but I, I do think it is funny that, you know, again, you know, it's it, w- out, out of curiosity, did you start playing on a 10 foot hoop or did they put you on the eight foot hoop? So you were just completely dominating. We started on an eight foot hoop, oh, um, my goodness. which I'm thankful for uh, because our form, I think starting off on an eight foot uh hoop is the best because you're not trying to shoot from your chest mm-hmm. with two hands you can actually use the correct form and I'm so thankful for that we use that hoop I can't say many of our baskets went in but um, we started on eight feet and then moved our way up it is always cute watching little kids play basketball <laughs> especially on a 10-foot hoop I agree you probably should start on an eight-foot hoop and, and it sounds like you have way more uh, research and, and information to back you up. But it's, it's funny, I guess, to watch kids <laughs> try and shoot on a 10-foot hoop sometimes. So always curious about that. Um, so then, so you're, you're playing basketball essentially your whole life at that point. I mean, I don't remember too, too much before second grade. So uh, essentially, you're playing basketball your entire life. You get into high school. At what point did you realize, like, all right, this is, I'm not just tall anymore. I'm actually, like, pretty good at this to the point where schools are starting to reach out or you're starting to look at, you know, hey, maybe Division One's an opportunity. Yeah, um, I was the only freshman on varsity, and for that time, it was pretty big. So I was a 13-year-old playing with a bunch of 17-year-olds. Um, and I think the first time that I realized I could be good at this was when I was asked to play with this U17 team um, at the showcase at Penn State in front of a lot of college coaches. So at age 13, um, I was doing that, and I'm so thankful that I was asked to play up with the girls. And I think that's when it really started. That is impressive. I mean, what is that like at 13 being told to essentially play with almost adults at that point? Yeah, I mean, you could definitely tell that the level of strength was not there. Um, I had to be smarter, a little more finesse, um, and I wasn't the biggest kid on the court. So it was a challenge, but it made me better. And I started lifting that summer because I wasn't going to make it with those big girls. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That, that is pretty, that's very impressive. And I guess from that, it sounds like I'm sure a lot of a lot of coaches had the opportunity, you know, you were, maybe they weren't there to scout you, but it, at least they first started to, you know, get their eyes on you and say like, okay, cool. There's this 13 year old girl here. Clearly she's here for a reason. Let's kind of keep tabs on her for the next few years. Right. Yeah. My first, um, my first letter I ever received was actually from Fairfield U. Um, and they saw me playing in the state tournament um, in Connecticut for my high school team. So to see, get a letter your freshman year, it's just, it's awesome. It's pretty cool. That is pretty cool. And not, not quite as, uh, I mean, you know, you hear, you know, especially with college football, you always hear like those like 
12 year olds that are getting scholarship offers like for quarterback when they're like in seventh grade which is ridiculous but uh it's still pretty cool that is still pretty darn cool mm-hmm. yeah and do you have that letter like framed and, and hanging up in your apartment or anything i actually have at my parents house they have all the letters i received um in like a scrapbook um in the That's fairfield awesome. one i keep it's a handwritten note from my associate head coach and I ended up there. So it's really cool to see that they're the first person, like first team to reach out. Um, lots of twists and turns along the way, but I ended up there and I'm working there now. So it's, yeah, cool. it, that is super cool. Again, that's, that's kind of like a full circle moment. Um, I mean, you're 13 years old, essentially you received this note and now what you're 27, 28, 25, 25. Oh, okay. Give you a couple extra years. Sorry about that. So, I mean, 12, 12 years later, you end up back there, um, spending some, some more significant time there too, which is pretty cool. And I guess what, so it sounds like you got a lot of letters if your parents were able to create a scrapbook out of it. So what was that recruiting process like, um, especially in the beginning being so young and not really understanding what really the heck is going on? Yeah. So in the beginning, I know the AU circuits and recruiting has changed so much in the past, like five to 10 years, but For me, it started off as a bunch of letters, um, just, you know, touching base. The handwritten letters are the more serious letters I took um, more seriously. Some were inviting me out to elite camp because they wanted to see more. Um, Teams that were further away, like UNC Chapel Hill, they would invite you to camps. Um, Other teams would, you know, write you little notes and then follow up with phone calls. All the rules back then were a little bit tighter as well. Um, Social media, I don't think they were allowed to follow us or like us, um, like tweets or like anything on Facebook. But no, it started off with a bunch of letters and then phone calls. I remember being very nervous when I'd take phone calls. Um, I would go out to my mom's minivan, so it'd be nice and quiet and just sit there, talk to the coaches, ask a lot of questions. Um, And then from there, I would kind of I would get a vibe, research the school. Um, And if they invited me for an unofficial visit, I would take it if I was interested. Um, If not, I would just let them know because I didn't want to waste anybody's time. Mm -hmm. And Um, at like like 13, 14 years old, how are you even making these decisions? Like, I didn't know where I wanted to go to school when I was like 19. (laughs) Like, how at like 13 and 14 are you like, okay, you know, Chapel Hill, well, you know, I'm a big Duke fan, so we don't want to go to UNC. But like, so how are you kind of like basing your research and decisions on kind of just, again, you're like 14 years old barely know what the heck's going on in the world. I have to give my parents all the credit. Um, I was the first child and the first one to get a scholarship. So like they didn't really know exactly what we were doing. Um, But my dad made a spreadsheet and he listed, you know, education, majors, um, connections, like networking. Um, And I just ranked what I valued and what the school, which each school would bring me. Um, And that's kind of how I decided. But also ultimately it was a vibe. So Mm. If I got a good vibe when I was on campus with the teammates um, and the coaches and the campus and all that together, then it was a good feeling and I would commit. So obviously I committed to St. Joe's and I ended up at Fairfield, but um, Mm -hmm. both were very good vibes. That is awesome. And yeah, it's just, it's so, it's always interesting to kind of hear about the process. I mean, again, it started really young for you. So it was probably second nature by the time you're, you know, you're a senior. At what point did you like, how, how, at what point did you start crossing schools off the list and just being like, you know what? Nope. You know, you're a sophomore, you're a junior, whatever. And you're starting to really whittle that list down. What was the reason for St. Joe's over some of these other schools that might've been a little bit more nationally known, I guess. Right. So um, my top five were Fairfield, 
Marist, St. Joe's, James Madison, um, and URI. So those are, I, I cut the list down to there. Um, I wanted a basketball school. So St. Joe's gave me that. I liked that there was a community of colleges around there. Um, Fairfield has a different vibe. It's a beach school, but there's also a lot of colleges around there. It's competitive. All, all teams are competitive. I kind of started to cut the list down after I went on my unofficial visits and met the team and the coaches and saw what my campus life would be, my day-to-day schedule, um, and really look regionally. I mean, James Madison is nice, but how often as a basketball player are you going to be able to go home? You don't have the normal schedule as a regular student, and being far away, I knew my parents probably wouldn't make it to all my games. Um, so that's kind of how I figured out where I mm-hmm. wanted to be. Yeah, yeah, I think it is. It's it's always interesting to see kind of hear that that process works. And as you said, you, you originally uh, started at St. Joe's, which is a very well known basketball school. I'm up here in the Northeast, so obviously Philadelphia, not too far mm-hmm. from where I am. I had a friend that actually went there, so I visited her mm-hmm. a couple times. Obviously, they had that team, the men's team, a few years ago with like Jameer Nelson, and I'm sure they talked all about that to you. Um, you probably can name all the statistics for all those players, but that team was incredible and. Um, Really, really cool. So I guess what what was that? Well, you were at St. Joe's for a year, correct? Just a year. Yeah. yeah. And so so how you can go as deeper as shallow into that, but like how what was it like when you were there and, and really again you, you felt that vibe you wanted to go there originally, unfortunately only there for a year, but what was your time like there? Uh, it was great. You know, I had a great relationship with my teammates, coaching staff. It was a little difficult because I was coming in with an injury. So having to sit out and rehab um, was hard, but it, it was a great time. You know, it's Hawk Hill. You got yeah. men's basketballs thriving. Our team at that point went to the NCAA um, tournament. So we we're doing really well. Uh, it sucked that I had to be on the sidelines and rehabbing, but I just really enjoyed my freshman year um, and getting my balance because the game from high school to college is very different. Um, and it was a I liked it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm sure. Like that's super cool. I mean, going to the NCAA tournament, uh, as you said, unfortunately, you were rehabbing the whole time. But what was that like? I mean, you know, right now we're kind of in the midst of there is no NCAA tournament, and that's yeah. it's like my favorite time of year, specifically this weekend. Um, but like, what was that like? What was that? You know, going back to vibes and that energy. Like, how cool was being there and understanding? You know, hey, you're one of 64 right now, and you have a chance. Yeah, no, my teammates, for sure. I was so happy for them. I was um, off by then and decided to transfer. But we are all real, like, our whole school, there was a buzz around it. So even hanging back with my friends, our regular students, we'd watch the games. I would talk to them while I were on the road. Um, It was I just was really happy for them. That is, yeah, I mean, like, there's nothing like it. There's nothing like it, and I love it so much, and it's just unfortunate. And then so you ended up switching, obviously, uh, transferring to Fairfield. Um, and you kind of you need to sit out another year, right? Because of the the transfer portal didn't really exist back then. So now the rules are a little different. Um, understanding, you know, obviously, again, you go into how, how, you know, why you switched and everything as deep as you'd like, but understanding that you were going to have to sit out another year, how much did that just like, suck? Like, I can't even think of another word, like yeah. other like, not great at this whole word thing. So that sucks. It was awful. I, um, you know, I couldn't ask for a better group of teammates to be around. It made it a lot easier, but sitting out your first year because of injury and then finally being rehabbed and fine, never participated in practice or a game at my previous school. So to go in and have a year gone and then another year gone, um, our staff and our administrators, we pushed for a waiver uh, because I left because of a sick family member. Didn't work out. So, you know, 
that's how it goes. You just got to keep moving on. And I just focused every day in practice um, to get better. And mm-hmm. I wasn't able to travel with the team. So I left, I lost those moments with my teammates, but um, I made every effort to be with them every second of the day when mm-hmm. I could. Um, but yeah, it was, it was definitely tough and only playing for three years in college. I would like another year, but exactly. um, I understand that everything happens for a reason and I wouldn't change like my experience ever. Exactly. You, you got back there, right? So that's always right. kind of a cool little, uh, <laughs> cool little aspect of the story as well. But I think, you know, obviously, again, it's, it's just very unfortunate. The rules are a little different now. So I'm sure there would have definitely you probably would have been able to play that fourth or that extra year. Um, and so I remember you saying, you know, when you and I spoke on the phone that it was kind of difficult going to through that transfer process because there's like a list of schools you can and you can't you can't transfer into the conference and then you know this that and the other thing was it just I don't I I don't believe in luck but like was it just meant to be that Fairfield was obviously one of your top five schools and then also at the same time it was one of the schools that you were capable and able to transfer to I think so I remember when I gave coach the call um initially when I committed to St. Joe's and I just let him know hey coach thanks so much um I decided to commit and go to St. Joe's and he I remember him telling me thank you Casey um if you ever need anything in the future we're always here for you and I just that once I was going through the transfer process um that stayed in my head just knowing that there was a home for me if it didn't work out and I never thought about it while I was a freshman until I reached that moment where I was like, I need to go home. And uh, being, yeah, the transfer rules have changed a lot. So back then they could block you from any school, um, which is, it's different now, which is great. But, um, or anybody in conference, you have to sit out for two more years. So I think it really was fate and it brought me back there today. So it's great. Exactly. It all, it always works out. It always works out. And so you're there for three years, um, thousand point scorer, if I'm not mistaken, right? Like, correct. Yeah, that is some <laughs> dominant. That's a dominant three year stretch. I mean, what was your time? Like, obviously that actually, let's go back to that first year for a second. So you're allowed to practice with the team, but you're not allowed to travel with the team. How frustrating was that? And understanding like, Hey, I'm a part of it. Like I can contribute. You know, where practice is sometimes harder than the games themselves and then not being able to do the the best part, which is obviously playing the games. Yeah, I mean, playing the games for sure. I kind of knew I wasn't going to be able to do that. But the hardest part is when they went on the road and I'd be, you know, your team is your family. I had other friends, too, and I'm happy that I had that year to make um, friends with the other students. Um, But when you see your whole family go away for a couple days on a stretch, and you're left behind it's kind of sad but um again like we when they would come back it'd be the best of times mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah that is it's always interesting uh to me as well so I, I appreciate you answering all these questions casey i'm sure it's not the easiest thing uh to relive some of these moments but i really <laughs> do appreciate you uh you being open and honest and intimate with us i think it's fantastic and then so then those three years so okay let's go back to that the dominance thousand point scorer like absolutely rocking it how much fun was it that first game back? Like again, having two years, two and change, just totally off. What was that first game back like? It was honestly from a practice gym to an arena or a regular gym with fans and cheerleaders and the band. It was so loud. <laughs> there were so many things, you know, when you play and everything tends to get zoned out around you and you can just focus on the court. I was not there yet. Uh, still put up good numbers and, 
did well, but I wasn't completely immersed in the game. Mm -hmm. Um, I wanted to start off as fast as I could and do the best I can, but uh, it was very loud. And then a couple games in, it started to feel more natural Mm -hmm. and quiet and I could just see the game, the floor and not everything going on around me. That is nice. Yeah, I was going to say, you probably had to shake off a little bit of rust, right? Mm-hmm. You know, that, that first game back after not playing for a couple of years, especially with the injury. I'm sure that year of, you know, practicing with the team obviously helped. But, you know, there's nothing like really being there and really doing it, which is always cool. So congratulations on that. And I'm sure it was a blast. I guess then that entire, you know, the, your entire stretch at Fairfield, like what did you guys make it to the NCAA tournament while you were there? We did not. Ah, oh, man. And this year, our girls played so well um they won in the quarterfinals we're going to semis and then we got the news that it was canceled Mm -hmm. so i'm still championship chasing wherever i'm at (laughs) goodness well hopefully next year everything goes back to normal we'll be fine and you guys can crush it then but that is unfortunate i'm sure still sure all your time spent at fairfield before now during after all of it um is well well enjoyed i mean do you was there a team that you guys felt real confident in uh, one of the years that you were playing where you just kind of just missed it lost on a buzzer beat or anything like that i think my freshman year when i was sitting out um mac tournament i also couldn't go on the bus to go see so one of my teammates who transferred in from marquette with me we drove um to massachusetts to watch that was the closest year and then my senior year Mm -hmm. was probably the closest um high hopes always but those are the two years where i really felt comfortable Mm -hmm. um and then this year um, our team, I really thought. Yeah. Yeah. I, mean, I guess let, let's talk about that for a second. Obviously you being a senior and, and again, so you left to, to go pro obviously, but you were kind of, you know, tell, explain like the, like the waiver process and seeing if you could get that fourth year and kind of like, did you ever feel like you got a real, I don't know, like a send off because it was kind of in that like limbo period for a little while. Yeah. I mean, I was, I was lucky enough to have a senior night. Um, we, I was included in that and, uh, just going through the waiver process to get that fourth year was tough because, you know, we were going back and forth. They would want more information. And, um, I was waiting up until like July, I want to say to hear back. And by then I'd already turned down a couple, um, offers overseas, a couple agents. Um, and by then I just, before I got the answer, I had to tell coach, Hey, listen, like, I appreciate all the work you guys are doing for me on this, but I'm missing out on opportunities for something that I love and I completely want to be a part of, but I don't know if it's a solid, yes, you can come back. Mm -hmm. Um, and at that point I had to apply, I applied to grad school, took all of my tests for the praxis to be, um, in student teaching in that, um, major. And it was just, I did all my, all all my checklist things in case I had to go in case they wanted me to come back the NCAA. Um, but it ended up not working out and went overseas and it was, I'm just happy the way it all worked out. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you got to go play pro basketball again. You've been playing the sport since you were in second grade, right? And now you're getting paid to play it overseas in Germany. And I mean, that's just, I always think it's so cool, you know, when athletes get the opportunity to get paid, you know, obviously in certain situations, a little better than others, but at the same time, I mean, that's gotta be so cool. I mean, what was your time? Like you were only in Germany for a year, if I'm not mistaken, but what was your time like there and playing against some of the, you know, most incredible athletes, you know, female basketball players, athletes on the planet. Yeah. It's unreal. It's unreal to get paid for what you love to do and travel the world and just immerse yourself in another culture. Um, 
it's just amazing um, playing against WNBA players in the off season, um, top notch level players. My roommate was the Big East Player of the Year, Marissa Janning. Uh, learned a lot about her experience in college, and we just we made it through together. There was a girl on my team who played at Stanford. She's 31 years old. Um, she speaks German now, and she's still over there. It was just a great experience and very competitive. Um, their shot clock is still 30, I want to say, okay. and then the re like the second shot clock off an offensive rebound goes to 14. So now in the women's game, it goes to 20, but 14, you just got to get it and go. It's just a mm-hmm. very fast paced game. Um, great time. Uh, yeah. That, that it's more fun usually when it's a little bit, you know, let's think on our feet. We're athletes, right? Let's figure it out. Um, I think that is pretty cool. And what did you, I mean, being over there for a year, I'm sure you had so much fun, but what did you learn about yourself while you were over there? Again, finally getting the opportunity to, get paid for what you love you know obviously being away from your family and everything but you're finally you're there like what did you learn over that you know 12 month stretch or however long it was no I learned how easy it is to really adapt to any situation um there were times where there was a language barrier and you know just a friendly smile or trying to figure something out is all you really need I really I embraced the idea of like community over there because to me, you know, having your own built-in community in college is something that's wonderful and it's great and always being a part of the team. But over there, you don't live in one dorm building. You live scattered across the city and you all meet for practice. You do your workouts on your own with the trainer. You don't have team lifts. Um, So anybody I met in town and our fans, I really embraced everything um, that was given to me and time just really loved it because I was very far away from home. Um, so I really, I think I took more value to and gave more of myself to the people in that community. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, shoot, you're there. You might as well talk to some people, right? <laughs> I've heard, I've heard so many stories of American athletes in, in basketball, volleyball, and in some of these sports that are, um, you know, there's a lot of opportunity to play overseas and they kind of, they go do their thing and they practice and then they sit inside and play video games the whole time. I mean, like, you're in Europe, right? Like you're in, you, there's so much stuff you can do there. Like go take advantage of it. So it sounds like you were capable of doing that. Um, what was your town like? Was it a, a bigger city? Was it a smaller, you know, kind of town i guess for lack of a better term like and what, what were some of the things that you could do on a daily weekly basis that you know you kind of just get out there and see what's up yeah so it's a small city i live downtown right in the city so when i walk across the street the grocery store is right there um everything is right there the restaurants the bars the city center um to hang out, we'd probably just go to a bar somewhere or a teammate's house. And then we'd always go to watch the men's game. Um, it was a basketball city for sure. So we had on our men's team, Mike Stockton, John Stockton's son. Um, he was there, uh, Breon Rush, Darius, uh, forgetting his last name, but we had a great time. Like all the Americans on that team, on the men's team would hang out with us and even the Germans and the mm-hmm. um, everybody else. So a typical day would probably be like working out at 8 a.m., um, having shooting at 11 or 12, and then going back for practice around 6 p.m. Um, that was our normal workday schedule. Um, if we had a game, it was different. But just having fun, like exploring the city. We don't have much time off, so you couldn't really go on faraway trips. Mm-hmm. But when we had two days off back-to-back, we – 
for sure capitalized on it. <laughs> Absolutely. Heck yeah, that is pretty cool. And then I guess like what what is a what's the schedule like in terms of like how many games are you playing? How how big is the league I guess in terms of like geography? Is it just Germany? Is it just nearby towns? Like how did how did that aspect work out? Right. So we had um we played in a EuroLeague tournament in Poland where we played um that was probably a top-notch um league. Poland is definitely higher. They had a lot more WNBA players over there. Um although I was in the top league of Germany, um, the Polish league and the Euro league teams were a lot better in Euro cup. Uh, we had, I want to say like 10 to 11 teams and you play everybody twice. So it's very similar to college. Uh, the furthest we had to travel was eight hours. Um, so for that trip, we stayed overnight and the rest were about four, two to four. Mm. So it wasn't really bad. We leave the day of the game, which is a little different than college basketball. Um, but yeah, it wasn't bad. We, we were sponsored by Mercedes Benz. So we got to ride in like Mercedes vans All which right. like more than the bigger buses. Um, but no, it was, that was pretty much our schedule. Uh-huh. That is pretty sweet. And you guys, you finished top three in the league, right? Uh, actually bottom of the league. Oh, but we made, Whoops. no, it's fine. We made it to, um, we, it was our first year at the top division. So we oh, okay. We are fighting to stay. You had to have a certain amount of wins to stay in the league. So we stayed in the league. And then at the end of the season, they have a, um, the German Cup, like the final four, um, so to speak. And it was versus Keltern, Wasserberg, who have huge um, followings and donors. And um, we're a little bit of a smaller club. But um, we we clawed our way through that and got bronze medal. And they were very good players. I knew you did top three in something then. See, I, yeah. I, I had something right. But that, that is awesome. Congratulations on that. Yeah. That is so cool. And again, just hang it, hanging out. I mean, getting to work in another country, doing the thing you love, getting paid to do it, get to travel a little bit, get to experience another culture. I mean, not everybody gets that opportunity. So it sounds like you're very, uh, very grateful for it. And I do love it. And so you were, you were only there for a year. Um, what was the decision to come back home? Yeah, I just was, you know, a lot of Americans go through it, watching Netflix in their free time and, you know, trying to make the most of my time there. I started to reach out to head coaches and see if they had any positions open or also just checking in and seeing how their seasons were going because I knew that um, my body would only hold up for a certain amount of years. And I was kind of ready to get into the real world real world, so to speak, um, with working. Um, I didn't know where that was going to be. I was looking at opportunities at the Atlanta Hawks. Um, and then I found out that there was a job opening at Fairfield. So I think just making the decision, I saw girls that were over there for 10, 11 years, five years, and I just wanted to kind of get rolling with my career. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And much respect to that. I mean, I'm sure those girls are having a blast, but obviously it's not for everybody, right? Like, you know, you want to you want to be home by your family, obviously. And again, it, the the perfect storm of still getting to go play, still getting paid to do it, as you said, and having a blast, but then also the job opening up at your alma mater. I mean, that is, you know, it's something that not, not, that doesn't happen every day to a lot of people. Right. Um, so I think that is pretty cool. And, and I guess what was, what was that process like? I mean, you knew the coach, right? You knew everybody on the staff. Was it just like, <laughs> you have a position open, you want to hire me? Or like how much, um, work and intensity and involvement did you have to go through to really a understand the position but then b you know make sure that you were they knew that you were the right person for the job 
Yeah, no, I had to interview um, with our athletic director, um, go through the process and send my resume to coach, um, spoke to him about what it entailed, also let him know let them know um, the things that I, were do- I was doing in Germany to kind of get me ready for this position. Um, just some of the skills that I have off the court that he may not have known. Um, and then just went through the whole interview process with our um, athletic director. I was, I didn't know if I had the job or not. I was sitting there sweating in my blazer while he was interviewing me, but um, that was great. Um, he also wasn't my athletic director while I was there. Uh, so it was really, you know, I wanted to, show him Mm -hmm. who I was and let him know that I care about this university, which he knows. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Being there for four years and doing everything you did for the university. Sounds like he knew. And I guess, um, so you are not, I guess you are the director of basketball operations at Fairfield university. Um, explain what a director of basketball operate. Here you go. I cut you off earlier. (laughs) We're going to do it now. What is a director of basketball operations? Director of basketball operations, we wear so many hats, um, ranging from marketing to logistics and planning, um, film, recruiting. I plan the recruiting trips alongside um, our recruiting director and some of our assistant coaches, but I pick all the restaurants, how we're going to do the tour, where we're going to walk with budgeting and finances. I do all the administrative tasks. the coolest part about it for me is designing all the gear and working with Nike reps. I think that's fun to just have the kids come out and something fresh. Uh, Absolutely. Right. And Get that uh, swag going. Let's go. <laughs> and uh, with marketing, um, going back and forth with our deputy athletics director and um, sports information, just feeding them ideas and saying, Hey, like, can we get this done? Can we do this? Um, this video looks good. And really just looking at the WNBA for our, mar- like our template of how I want to market some of these things um, and other college teams, of course. Um, yeah, it's, I, it's awesome because it's, you have to be super organized to be in this role. Mm-hmm. I think planning travel for 25 people over 70 trips and events, you really need to have all of your ducks in a row because you're controlling transportation, lodging, food, while also trying to lead a group of young women and give them advice and mentor them um, through the way. Well, it does not sound like I will be a director of basketball operations (laughs) anytime soon. Organization is not my thing. I'm more of a a organized chaos kind of guy. I know where everything (laughs) is. Uh, I don't know why I know where it is, but I know where it is. But no, I mean, all that sounds really cool. I mean, getting to design the jerseys, I had no idea that you guys had that capability. I honestly just thought it was, you know, you give Nike some colors and they're like, all right, here you go, your logo and some colors. But (laughs) so how, like, I guess how involved, are you like the point person? Are you like a part of a team on some, like, what are some of the things that you pretty much have, like, not total control over, but you're one of the final says before it goes to, as you said, you know, the associate athletic director or someone, you know, a little bit further up top. Yeah. Uh, with marketing, I pretty much have to check in with our SID and our, um, director just because it's what the brand that we're pushing. Um, so whatever ideas I have, if they like them, then it's kind of free range, which I love. Um, gear coach loves to have a say in it because, you know, he's going to be wearing the gear as well. Uh, so I, I'd say like 75% there I have nice. control over. Still pretty um, sweet. Right. Um, but planning and logistics, of course, I have control over that. Uh, obviously, taking input from all of our uh, coaching staff with what they think is best. Um, but yeah, 
I'm the point of contact. If anybody needs anything from women's basketball, they come to me. (laughs) <laughs> there you go. Well, good for you. I'm, I guess, what does your inbox, inbox look like a day, man? Congratulations. Don't tell me because I'm terrified, but that's very impressive. Um, and I guess, so going back to the, the branding and the marketing aspect of it, it sounds like you're, you're a huge portion of that. I mean, like where you said, you know, you kind of look for, at the WNBA and other colleges, but how do you guys try and differentiate yourself as, you know, Fairfield University? You know, you're, as you said, you're a beach school, but you're in Connecticut. So you know, as much beach right. as you possibly can, I guess. But like, <laughs> like, how do you kind of take what you had? How have you kind of evolved it, especially now in the social media age and everything going on? Like, what are you doing to make sure that you're kind of pushing yourself, pushing Fairfield and, and separating it from other schools? So that way these recruits are saying, hey, I want to go to Fairfield. Not, right. I don't want to, you know, okay, they're on my list. It's no, I want to go there. Right. No, I think it's for sure an era of graphics. A lot of recruits these days you're seeing, they're posting all of their offers um, all of their um, point people who have contacted them. So it's definitely graphics are a huge way that we can get these recruits and, you know, facilitate some sort of Fairfield brand going forward. Um, and that's all credit to our SID. They put together these awesome graphics when one of our kids commits or something cool is going on, they'll post it out there. Um, but something I do is I really encourage our girls to share what they're doing off the court um, because I think that, a lot of times what we're pushing out marketing wise is, you know, what they're doing game time, what they're doing with their studies. I like that they have a life and I think it's great for the fans. And I think it's great for young women, younger girls to see what they're doing off the court to further their careers. We have one of our kids is a real estate agent. Um, one oh, does right. That's with super a, cool. With a full division one and studies college academics. She's balancing that. Another is doing an internship for um, a reusable recycle um, company locally. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's important to show that. And TikTok is becoming huge within college athletics. So I'm always asking them to, hey, guys, this looks really cool. Do you guys want to do this? And they're like, no, like Smitty, that's not cool. We won't do it. But if they're, okay, we're into it. Because I think if you just show recruits and you show the school like who the women's basketball team is it's they're gonna it's gonna garner um fans it's gonna garner an audience a hundred percent i totally agree it's interesting you know with social media so much of it is the perfect shot the perfect picture but in reality what most people love to see is that behind the scenes aspect right they want to see how you got to that picture i think that's especially now kind of moving forward you know the gary v model you know that kind of thing where you really do want to see the hustle the process and and kind of the eating the dirt for a little while because that way you know somebody's real it's not mm-hmm. like they just popped up here and it's just like hey we're you know, we're incredible. It's like, well, what was the process like to get there? Every overnight success takes about 15 years. So understanding how you get there, I totally agree. I love that you've taken that approach to really, you know, highlight. And again, I mean, it sounds like you have some incredible women on the team if they're the full-time real estate agents and, you know, working for, you know, social, uh, you know, sustainable economic companies already. Like that is so cool. And yeah, I mean, you got good stories. You might as well highlight them, right? right. The TikTok thing, I don't really understand, but I'll, I'll leave it to the <laughs> college kids to figure that one out. Same. <laughs> and it sounds like they're 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 taking your advice uh, occasionally on that side too. That's kind of funny. Um, so was this? I guess so. With with Fairfield, obviously Division One school, um, and this is kind of what you know. But I'm just out of curiosity, like how your role in recruiting, like your role compared to maybe some other bigger schools, um, like especially in recruiting, what exactly? 
how how much of a hand do you have in either the the film study or just the breakdown or like what exactly does recruiting look like from your point of view? So from my point of view, um, the NCAA has rules preventing director of operations from going on the road. Um, so when our staff goes out recruiting, I just manage all their expenses, their trip, if they have an issue on there. Uh, but I really just plan the logistics of when we're having these recruits on campus. So if we're thinking about, okay, they like pizza, what place should we take them? We'll take them there. And I have to make all the things happen on that trip, like getting the keys for the dorm room, all of those. So everything runs smoothly. Um, but yeah, I can get video. I'll get emails from kids and I, I can look at that. So I love doing that or forwarding it to our um, recruiting director and say, Hey, like, what about this kid? Do you like her? Um, do we have a place for her? that sort of thing. Um, but I'm not allowed to go on the road. So, mm -hmm. okay. But it sounds like, well, first off you brought up picking restaurants a lot. So I think that's a pretty enjoyable <laughs> part of it for you. I, I'm not going to say too much more than that, but you brought it up enough times. I at least wanted to acknowledge it. Um, but I guess in terms of like, um, like what's, what's the next, like what's one, how do you level up from here? So you're director of basketball operations. And then from there, I assume you go to an associate or an assistant, coaching role and I guess what is the difference between the two yeah so the difference with it varies from what school you're at of to course, the next yeah. um but for me I'm looking for you know a, an assistant job I don't think I would love to say a head coaching job but I'm not ready for that yet um an assistant job where it looks more of just you know managing your team I've been lucky enough to kind of mentor a little bit um, with the post players and talk to them and listen to what our post coach has to say and just watch their workouts. But as NCAA rules are, I'm not allowed to actually be a part of these workouts. I can't um, get in there and bang with them. So as an assistant coach, I would love to, you know, create my own workouts, um, try to improve player development and go out and recruit on the road and find mm -hmm. more talent for Fairfield View. That does sound like a lot of fun, getting out, going out there, recruiting. I mean, it's just a sales pitch, right? And mm -hmm. you've, you've played at the school. Now you're a coach. You came back from overseas. You know, it obviously gave you that opportunity to go play professionally. So, I mean, your story in itself is an incredible way of going out and recruiting because, heck, you're still really young, right? And you just <laughs> had all these things happen to you. So you can explain to them and show them, hey, you are capable of doing all of these things on maybe on a different path, maybe on a similar path. So I think that's uh, pretty important. Did you always want to be a coach? Like when did that kind of like, were you in high school? Were you in college where you're like, you know, one day I do think there's an opportunity for me to be a head, head coach somewhere. Yeah. It's weird because I, I never really thought about it. I always was coaching at camps, clinics. Um, I was involved in it, but I was, I never really wanted to coach. I wanted to be a teacher or a guidance counselor and I still want to do those things, but I think I can do those things through coaching and it incorporates two things. I love people, basketball, um, helping people grow, get to the next level, but I never really thought about it until um, after I left overseas and I realized, Hey, like I'm not ready to let the game go. Um, and I have a lot more, I think I can share with the game and with young girls who are trying to move up, in the game itself mm -hmm. or even in just in life. So I think that was where I realized, you know, I want to coach. And in this role, I've been able to see what that day-to-day -day of head coaching and assistant coaching looks like. And it's, it's attractive to me. I like it. Heck yeah. And it sounds like, it, I mean, I've, I'm a big college basketball fan, not a super huge NBA fan, really. I don't know why I just don't have like an allegiance. <laughs> so I don't really care that much. Um, 
so yeah, I'm big, big Duke Blue Devils fan. So it's it's always, I mean, season doesn't start till March, so we barely even had a season this year, unfortunately. <laughs> but uh, you know, it's just one of those things we're just kind of seeing the growth. And and I honestly, as much as I love Duke these last few years, I'm not a huge, huge fan of the one and done. I actually like to watch the young kids kind of grow up before your eyes. Like my favorite teams are the ones that have like three seniors and like kind of a couple freshmen and sophomore thrown in. Like those are always enjoyable. And as a coach, you know, as you're explaining that's what it seems like you'd be most interested in and really being there with them through this process and, and, you know, doing that. And uh, one last, you know, a couple, maybe a couple of last questions. I don't know. I'm just going to, you know, we'll see where this goes, but obviously again, you know, being at the school that you, you played at is incredible. Um, the opportunity to coach there, I'm sure would be top of your list. Unfortunately, you probably really like the guy that's already in the head coaching right. spot. So with, with college basketball and really just sports in general and coaching, like understanding that, you know, a job might come up in, Washington state, a job might come up in Louisiana. Like how, how are you weighing, you know, where you are now and the opportunity to move up versus, well, if a really cool spot opens up somewhere else around the country, you'd be willing to kind of just get up and go and see what that's like. Right. It's this life is pretty crazy in that regard, like this job, this profession. Um, no, I'm looking to move. I'm looking to move up for sure. Um, I love where I'm at at Fairfield right now and it'd be awesome if I could coach there, but you know, it has to do with openings and where um, you see your career going. You know, like I'm itching to be an assistant coach. It just, it's the same thing with um, picking which college you want to go to, right? As a student, like you have to weigh your options. Okay, this may be an assistant job. Am I getting paid less than what I'm getting paid here? What's my, what's my day to day? What's my um, quality of life? Um, obviously, I think experience overrules anything. Um, financial but you still have to think about your life uh so i think that's something that i'm constantly weighing because there's jobs popping up um all over the place but do i want to be in nebraska coaching um you know it's just it's different it's something you have to weigh absolutely of course and i was shaking my head because i mean why unless you're going to university in nebraska not to say anything bad about nebraska i'm sure i've been there it's actually a really cool place i've been to (laughs) omaha i've never been to lincoln but uh yeah i mean i'm sure i'm sure there's a couple places stay on the east coast stay a little closer to home i'm sure that's a pretty important as well but um casey this was awesome this was absolutely fantastic i mean i usually i have the last question like where do you want to you know be and like what do you want to but i mean it's pretty obvious you want to be a head coach at a at a pretty well-known program or at fairfield and you know, take it all the way to the top, win a national title. So I don't even feel like I have to ask that question, <laughs> but um, anything else on your end? This was awesome. I really appreciate your time. No, I loved it. Thanks for um, reaching out. Enjoyed no. it. Yeah, happy to hear it. We had some fun. We shared some laughs in this weird, weird time that we're in now. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't even want to ask about what you're doing now because it's probably totally out of the, you know, let the less coronavirus <laughs> talk, the better, in my opinion. That's what I'm right. trying to do with these. But um, one last time, Casey Smith, Director of Basketball Operations at Fairfield University. Really appreciate your time today. Thank you. Thank you all so much for listening to this conversation with Casey. As I said, she was absolutely wonderful, such a sweet, sweet person, and I'm very grateful I got to learn a little bit about what she does and maybe take some some nuggets of wisdom along the way. So make sure to go follow Casey on all her socials. Everything is in the show notes. Please, if you can, give us a five-star review on iTunes or Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening because it is super, super helpful for what we're doing. So thank you so much for your time. It's the only thing we don't get more of, and I hope you make it a wonderful day.